Well, good morning. Welcome to Scarlet City. If you are new here, thank you for joining us. We're honored to have you as our guest. And I and others would love to meet with you right after the gathering, get to know you a little bit. Also, if you're new, uh, we have Explore Scarlet City right after the gathering in the Fellowship Hall. We'll have some pizza and salad and uh, just a, a time to hear a little bit more about what we're about, our vision, how you can get connected here. And uh, so join us for that if you're interested. It won't be super long. And uh, it'll be right after the worship gathering. Well, I want to invite everyone to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. The Bible is divided into two uh, halves, two parts. The Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, which is um, God's Word leading up to the time of Jesus. And then the New Testament, which begins with the Gospels and into the beginning of the church. And the Gospel of Matthew is an account, a first-hand account of Jesus' life and his teachings. And we've been going through this over the past year. And specifically, lately, we've been going through what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus articulating what it means to live in his kingdom and how to flourish in life, how to live a life of flourishing personally and socially, how to live a whole, joyful, purposeful flourishing life. And we've said he begins with these value statements. He wants you to know the values of his kingdom, your core convictions and beliefs that shape and lead to this life of flourishing. Then he goes to these ethics of how to relate to others. And right in the middle, he gets to this prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And the Lord's Prayer is the central component of the whole sermon. And what we've said is that Jesus is saying, if you want to flourish in life, you need to have values, but it's not just about values and beliefs. You need to have good ethics, but it's not just about good behavior. You need God. God is the cornerstone power to a life of flourishing. And so last week we began looking at the Lord's Prayer And we saw last week that prayer has the power to restore our humanity. And this week we look at prayer as the power to know God. So I'll read our text. It's one verse, Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus says, So pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. Be honored. Well, I want to ask you, how do you feel about prayer? How do you personally feel about prayer? It might depend on the day, might depend on the moment, might depend on the season of life. I know I've had seasons of life when prayer looked a little different. Growing up, I was raised in a, in a quote-unquote Christian home, uh, but I Walking with God was not a serious part of my journey until midway through college. And so prayer was a very scary, intimidating thing for me growing up. I remember uh, when I was a a freshman at University of Tennessee and some some ambitious uh, Christians came up to me. They're like, hey, you know, um, can we pray with you? And I remember being really freaked out. I don't know what to say. Yeah, like, okay, you can pray with me. If you'd asked me to pray then, I 
probably would have had something akin to uh, Greg uh, Fokker and Meet the Parents. If you're familiar with his prayer around dinner, they ask him to pray and he says, Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, kind and gentle and accommodating God. We thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laid at our table this day and each day, by day, by day. I mean, you get the point. He just thinks he needs to use this really formal language, just like fear of God. What do you say? Maybe you can relate to that. When it comes to prayer, God, wow, it's so intimidating. What do I say? Maybe you're someone, and when, you, when someone asks you to pray, you love prayer. Love it. I know when my faith uh, became awakened in my life, and I loved to pray. In college, when Jesus became, his presence became very real, it was like, man, what are we doing? Anybody want to pray today? Let's pray. This is awesome. And it just, relating with God felt so sweet and easy. It's like you'd wake up like, God, how's it going in heaven? Gosh, you're so awesome. Anybody want to pray? You know, do we talk about prayer? But relating to God felt so sweet and easy and natural. But then I began to mature, so to speak, became a growing Christian. And then prayer wasn't so easy, and it didn't always feel like a delight. In fact, it began to felt more, I began to be a little more apathetic. And even a little guilty for not praying more. And, and when I'd see the new Christian, the passionate Christian, who's like, hey, do you want to pray? It's like, you know, give yourself a little bit of time, Mr. Ambitious Christian. You know, you'll be jaded like me in a little bit. Just give it a little bit of time. How do you feel about prayer? You know, when we think about it, when we look back, often how we feel about prayer has a direct connection to how we feel about God. How do we feel about God? Some of us might feel fearful, confused. Who is God? How do we relate with him? Others of us might feel infatuated. Like that new Christian, it's, it's new and easy. But give it time. Some of us might feel distant, maybe jaded with God. How do we feel about God? Jesus in setting up this pivotal prayer, he begins, and we looked at last week, these two examples of how not to pray. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites who stand up in the synagogues, and prayer is just a public expression of their spirituality. He says, no, pray privately. Prayer isn't just a public spectacle. It's a way of relating to God, a way of knowing God, experiencing God, communing with God. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. How prayer has the power to enable us to truly know God, to commune with God, to experience God's presence. Let's look. How we can know God through prayer. How to grow in knowing God. First, knowing God as He is. Knowing God as He is, as He has revealed himself. The most life-giving relationships in our lives require knowing the other person. It requires knowing who they are, knowing their name, 
When we think of prayer, who are you praying to? Are you praying to the universe like He-Man by the power of Grayskull? Are you praying to some universal force? Star Wars, who are you praying to? Different religions have different gods that they appeal to, that they pray to. But across the board, there's two expressions of prayer among different traditions. There's ceremonial prayer, which would be prayer offered in a house of worship or in a particular ceremony like the term. And there's also personal prayer, a way of communing with, talking to the deity. But across the religious traditions, all of them begin prayer by acknowledging who they're praying to. Not just a words to the sky, but there's a particular God in mind and a God who is named. Jesus, how does he begin this prayer? He says, our Father in heaven, which is when he says our Father, he has in mind the Jewish Hebrew God, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. Jesus begins with the name of God. He wants everyone to know who he's talking to. He doesn't have some random God in mind, but the covenant Hebrew God of the Bible. Jesus is praying to a particular God. And interestingly, in the Hebrew tradition, the name of God was incredibly sacred. Incredibly sacred. It was so sacred that they wouldn't write it out. The name Yahweh, the covenant name of God's people. They wouldn't write it out. They'd leave the vowels out of the letter. They'd just write the consonants because God's name was so sacred, so holy, so separate. They also wouldn't say it. They would reference God as uh, some uh, Hebrew terms, uh, Elohim or Adonai or the blessed one. These names describing God, but they, God's name was so holy, so distinct that they struggled to even say it as an acknowledgement of his power and godness. Jesus begins this prayer by communicating who he's praying to. Who he's praying to. And we're reminded here that prayer requires knowing who we're praying to. Learning, embracing God as he is. And this means if we want to be people who commune with God, who know God, we need to learn about God. We need to study God. We need to grow in our awareness of who He is and as how He's revealed Himself. We need to grow in our, I'm going to use a, just a churchy word, theology. Oh, theology, that sounds so intimidating. It literally just means the study of God. Now, what can... What are some obstacles that can prevent us from grow, growing in knowing God, learning about Him? One obstacle might be consumerism. We live in a day and age, an individualistic society where we are at the center of everything. We are at the center. And so we are shaped by this. This is the air that we breathe. And so we bring that not only into the restaurants that we go to and the shops that we frequent, but we bring that into our relationships with each other often, and into our relationship with God. And so we want to relate to God on our terms. But, you know, if God is God, 
then it's not just a matter of my imagination of what he is like. It is, I must give space for him to be him. You know, if you came to me and you said, hey, hey, David, come here. I'd look at you, I'd say, I, sorry, but I'm not David. Uh, my name's Jay. Okay, David, come on over. Uh, okay, hey, I got you something. I got you something, you're going to love it. I got you a brand new Ben Roethlisberger jersey. You're welcome. I love you. This is my gratitude, my gift to you, David. What? Those of you who know me, you know I, am a, I love Jesus, so I love the Bengals. <laughs> and they are our rivals with the Steelers, to whom Ben Roethlisberger plays. You see, you can do that, but what I would say is, look, you, what you're doing is you're giving a gift of something you love, not what I love. You don't know me. Many of us relate to God in that way. We pick and choose the qualities that we like, and we're quick to discard the ones that might challenge us. Prayer begins by allowing God to be God and delight in learning about him as he revealed himself. But also, you might be thinking, you know, okay, we all have that bent, but one reason I might struggle to learn and study God is so, it's confusing. It's confusing to study God. I mean, as we mentioned, there's different religions. There's, there's so many different views of God. Where, where does, how does one deal with all of that? And even within the Christian tradition, what, how do we deal with this? There's Catholicism and Protestantism. And in Protestantism, there's a number of denominations. How do we begin? How, how do we make sense of the different views? It can be easy to say, you know, I give up. It, you know, it, it's out there somewhere. Well, here's my encouragement to you if that's where you find yourself. One, there are different religions, and take time to learn about them. Take time. Respecting, honoring the different religions... And what you will find is that they are not all saying the same thing. Contrary to our Western, enlightened perspective, all religions do not have the same view of God, and it actually is dishonoring of them to think that they do. They have different views about who God is and how God works. And so studying different religions will make you see the differences. But when you press into the Christian tradition... If you take a survey and you really look, what you will find is there is a lot of unity, an overwhelming amount of unity, especially when it comes to studying God's attributes and characteristics and his work in the world. You will find a unifying theme of God's mercy and his holiness and power, of God's strength and his presence, that God is experienced through Jesus Christ, through grace. There is so much that unites the Christian tradition when you look back. And so, when it comes to knowing God, start there. Start not in the differences, not in the debated areas, but start with God as he reveals himself in Scripture. Praying God, it, it, it allows God to be God, and then it embraces learning and growing in him. And I'll just say briefly, if you're somebody like, yes, I want to grow. Yes, I want God to be central. How do, what, how do I grow? 
I'd encourage you to embrace spiritual habits. Like scripture, studying scripture, discipleship, being invested in a church, going to a community group, city group. Prayer. Prayer as a discipline. Praying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Recounting, praising God for His characteristics and attributes. If we do that daily, we will be shaped to know God as He is, not just as a figment of our imagination. Prayer begins by knowing God as He is. But then also prayer, it's not just knowing about God, but knowing God by wrestling with Him. We don't just learn facts about God, but we integrate, we experience what we learn about God in a personal relationship. Jesus says, our Father, our Father. You can study God, you can read about God, you can listen to sermons about God, you can talk about God. Prayer enables you to know God. Not just know about Him, but to experience Him. Again, as we're thinking about knowing God, relating with God, communing with God, one quality of a life-giving relationship is honesty and vulnerability. The best friendships in our life, the most meaningful relationships in our life are those relationships where we can be ourselves, where we can be honest, we can be candid, we can share the, the, the dreams and the fears, we can share the, the doubts and the convictions. There's honesty, there's candor. When we look at the Bible, we see people praying and talking to God, and there's incredible candor. From the very beginning, we see it in Abraham questioning God. Sarah laughs at God. (laughs) We see it in Moses when God sends Moses to deliver his people. He's like, I don't know, God, I think you have the wrong guy. I don't think I want to do this. See this candor, this honesty. We see in the Psalms, reading the Psalms, 150 different prayers, you see so much candor, wrestling, struggling, doubting, trying to relate to God in a hard and fallen world. We see it with Jesus right before the cross. This moment, he calls out to God, asking that this would be taken from him. I think of Psalm 22 where the psalmist writes, he says, my God, my God, why have, or I'm sorry, um, this is Jesus, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This prayer, this groaning, God seems far away. In Psalm 22, it says, my God, I cry out during the day, but you do not answer. And during the night, my prayers do not let up. There's this honest relating and pleading for God wrestling with God. The best relationships are those in which we can be honest. Uh, There's two types of friendships in our life that many people fit into. There are what are called advocates and those that people refer to as confidants. An advocate is an important relationship. Most of our friendships are here, but an advocate is a relationship that is really centered around a particular thing, whether it's work or mutual enjoyment of an activity or living in proximity or uh, the stage of life you're in. But an advocate is that person that you can work together, you can hang out together, you can go to a sporting event together, 
but it's the kind of person that you haven't yet gotten to that place where you can be really, really vulnerable. It's a good relationship. But the most meaningful relationships in our life, and many of us, if we have one at all, it's only a few, are confidants. A confidant is someone that you can share your real self with. You can share your struggles, your doubts, your questions, your joys, and you trust them. You know that they're not going to penalize you or hold it against you or kick you off the team if you're really vulnerable and honest. It's the kind of person that you know is for you in the fullest sense of being for you. We need confidants in our life, people that we can be vulnerable with, people we can wrestle with, people we can argue with, but people we can be safe with. When it comes to knowing God, do we see God as an advocate, someone we're teaming up with to do some good things with, or has it progressed to be a confidant, someone who we can be really honest with? Jesus invites us to know God, to see God as a confidant in our life. But it moves on from there. It's not just knowing God as He is or even just bringing Him into the pain of our story, but knowing God by delighting in His presence, delighting in Him, loving Him. The best relationships in our lives are those that aren't just a means to an end, but an end themselves. When you really love someone, genuine love is delighting to just be in the presence of that person. Jesus says, our Father, our Father, a child, ultimately, the, most, the strongest desire with their dad is to just have their dad not just to have the goods that the dad can provide. Meaningful relationships, if you were to say, if you were to talk to someone and say, I love you. Say you had a child and you said, I love you. Why do you love me, dad? Why do you love me, mom? Well, let me tell you, you got really good grades. I love you because you study so hard. You're a good, good boy, good girl. And I love you because you scored a goal in your soccer game. Made me so proud. I'm so proud that you were the one that scored the goal. The other parents, their kids didn't score goals like you scored. You know where we're going. You know, the child, there's something about hearing that that makes us feel good. Yes. I did get good grades. Yes, I scored a goal. But what happens in life when the grades aren't good, when the goals aren't scored? You see, a real relationship, real love says, you know, I love you, and it doesn't matter your grades. You can get all Fs, and I will be frustrated and disappointed. We'll need to talk. But it doesn't matter. My love for you is not dependent on anything you do, and it won't diminish because of anything you've done. I just love you because I'm your father. The most meaningful relationship aren't a means to an end. They are an end themselves. And we know this. We know this when we think about it. You know, when I think about God being an 
end. God being an end. That prayer isn't just my time to make petitions and, and ask him to work. It is that. But that just relating, communing with him, talking with him is the end. You know, people who I look up to, who I have reverence for, I, would, I love to just be with them. If I left this afternoon and I got a call on my phone, phone number I don't know, and I typically don't answer that, but say I do, and I answer my phone and the voice says, says, hey, Jay, heard about you. My name's LeBron James. What would I do? I, LeBron James. How's it going, Bron? Yeah. Hey, can we hang out on Wednesday? Oh, you know, let me talk to my wife. Um, I might have a meeting in the morning. I, I don't know. I'll see, I'll, I'll see if I can fit in. No, I, I would say yes. Everything else will change. And when LeBron and I hang out, we're at Crimson Cup, chilling. Um, what, what will I want there? I won't want anything. I'm not going to go there and ask him for advice. I mean, sure, we'll talk about stuff. But it's just chilling there with LeBron James. Because he's an important figure and a powerful guy. And then I can just brag about it to everyone I know. And I can... Weave it into every sermon illustration. The time LeBron and I hung out. What I learned. You know, when you really think highly of someone, just being with them. The creator of the universe. The all-knowing, all-powerful God invites us to talk with him. And not only is it someone like LeBron, the most, the people in your life that you really love, the moments that really matter are just being with them. You know, my mom passed away about nine years ago, and when she died, there was a sense of relief because she was very sick, and so there was this relief, but there's a, there was a whole new gap in my life that I could not have envisioned before she was gone. My mom was such an encourager. She was like this spunky person who would like, you know, share her opinions. And sometimes it, it was annoying. But other times it was refreshing. And, and I loved my mom. And I missed that role. I missed her. And if I could go back, if I could go back, if, I, if there was a time machine, like, Jay, here you go. Go back and spend time with my mom, I, I wouldn't ask her to do something for me. I wouldn't ask to have a better allowance. <laughs> I would just want to be there. Just right there. Talking, listening, whatever it was, just having her. The most meaningful relationships are not a means to an end, but an end themself. The loving, powerful, gracious God invites us to experience Him. And lastly, how to grow in knowing God, learning who He is. We don't show up and say, God, I want you to be how I want you to be. No, He is God, we are not. It involves wrestling with Him, inviting Him into our pain, knowing God by delighting in Him, loving Him, and lastly, Knowing God by walking with Him for years.
The best relationships require time. Time. Jesus, later in the prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He's not like, hey, you know what? Offer up the prayer for bread just once a year. You're good. God, provide my food for the year. January 1st, done. (laughs) Jesus envisions a daily prayer, asking for daily bread. The best relationships require time. You know, when you have that new relationship, that friendship, that kind of infatuation that, oh, hanging with them is fun and easy, it doesn't become a real life-giving, safe relationship until what? Until you have that first fight. You know what I'm saying? That first argument. If you don't get to that place, you really haven't gotten to a real, genuine place. So those of you who have some friendships, go and argue later this afternoon. You know, figure it out. The best relationships, they require that first conflict, being honest. Because until then, everyone's putting their best foot forward. You really don't know them. You don't really know them until you argue and fight about something. Yeah. And we don't feel safe being ourselves until we, we, we give up, we, we let our guard down and someone sees us as we truly are and they stay. They still love us. And that requires time. That requires time and perseverance. And friends, here's our vision for prayer. Our vision for prayer. It's not cramming it all in. It's not, oh, it's 2020 and I'm going to be the expert. And I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer every day. I'm going to be a prayer warrior now. It's not mastering all the theology, everything we can know about God. It's a daily walk. Sometimes in those moments of wrestling, but often in just those moments of being present. A daily walk with God. So that if God gives us the grace to live many years, we can be people. Not who are just infatuated, like that new relationship, but that relationship that has stood the test of time, has experienced the conflict, and yet there's a more genuine love. That's our vision for walking with God in prayer, to experience the powerful, awe-inspiring God personally for an entire life. As we close, I want to say, I know walking with God can be hard. There's times where he feels so close, but then times, like the psalmist says, when he feels very far. And it can be tempting in those moments, to go another way. Find another God. Have another component of our devotion. And what I want to say is the relationships, again, that are the most meaningful, you rarely experience the magnitude of their significance in the moment. Sometimes, you know, if you get married to someone who's important, that's a big moment. But often, it's all the little moments together. And you don't really appreciate 
that person until they're gone. Or until you have the privilege of looking back and thinking on the role that they've played in your life. Friends, walking with God is much the same way. There are times where it might feel exciting and prayer is easy. But there's a lot of times where it's just normal talking with God in the day-to-day realities of life. But if you invest in that, just a normal walk with God, you will find yourself in however many days God gives you truly knowing Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for being a God who makes Himself known. That you don't leave it up to us to figure you out, but you have revealed yourself in history. You have acted in ways that could be recorded most pointedly in sending your son. And God, thank you for the model of prayer that Jesus gives. May we be people of prayer who learn about you, but it never stops there. It's knowing you personally. May we be people of faith, may we be people of prayer who walk with you. And God, grant us the grace in the times where we we just don't have it in us. Grant us the courage to persevere when other directions are more appealing. Lord, may your powerful presence be central to our life.